Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are bigger, that you are better, that you are stronger than any mountain we will ever face our entire life, than any valley we may get down to in our entire life. And we invite your presence to continue to meet with us as we continue to worship you. We thank you that you're an all-knowing God, that you know every place that we are at in our minds and our hearts and our lives at this very moment, and you still love us unconditionally. We pray as we continue our time together that your presence would be recognized in our hearts and in our minds that we would feel the love of your presence and know how much you care about every detail of our lives, that whether we're married, single, young, or old, we pray that you would continue your transformational work through your spirit inside of our hearts, inside of our lives. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we have been in this series that we started last week called Tested Love. Now, Pastor Will did a great job kicking us off last week with talking about how it's important that we get on the same page with our spouse. And you can be praying for Pastor Will and our DR team. They left early this morning to fly to the, to the Dominican Republic where they're going to be building a home there. And he'll be back with us next weekend. So we hope they have a great time. And I'm honored to, to be able to be with you guys today. Today in part two, we're talking about knowing your spouse. As we kicked off this series last week, Tested Love, we talked about the fact how most all of us, we can't stand taking tests, do we? We can't stand taking tests, but we like tested things. And it reminded me of the pressure of tests that we have on our lives at times. And I thought about my dad. When my dad was a young guy in his 20s, he had got out of the military, went to Michigan where he grew up, and went to work for this place called the Chrysler Proving Grounds on their test track. He was made the head person on their test track. Then he got a phone call one day that he needed to test Richard Petty's race car. And so he thought, oh, that's a test for him. You know, and so he goes where Richard Petty's race car was, not realizing that Richard Petty was there himself in person, watching my dad drive his car before he ever sat in the seat. Can you imagine the pressure my dad may have felt driving his race car? This is Richard Petty. He's like one of the giants of auto NASCAR racing. But he felt some pressure, but not only did he do well and push through that pressure, he was even invited to join Richard Petty's race car team. But my mom said, no, you're not going to do that, Okay. You know, but we like tested things, and it go through our life. We're going to face tests. We're going to have mountains. We're going to have valleys. We're going to have things that are going to test us, but God's goal is in our, through our marriage relationship that we're going to grow over the test of time in our life. So I want you to know as we begin this time together that it's never too late to start loving better. Whether you're married, single, whether you've been through a divorce, it's never too late to start loving better. From the very beginning of time, God has always been about relationships, and no one has stood the test of time better than God himself. 
And we read in Genesis 1.27. I want to encourage you guys, take some notes a day, maybe on your phone, maybe on your iPad or paper, whatever you have. Take some notes a day. In Genesis 1.27, we see, so God created mankind in his own image. He created them, male and female. He created them. So from the very beginning of time, we see that God created us for a vertical relationship with him. He wants to know us. He wants us to know him. And then he created us for relationships horizontally with others. That is God's heart. He's all about love. He's all about knowing us. And then we fast forward a little bit. God had created the animals. He created the birds. And he made all the stuff on the earth. He created Adam from the dust of the ground. Everything he'd created up until that point was from the dust of the ground. And then we see in Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Wait a minute. Up until this time, everything God had said was good, right? But this is the first thing that he said that wasn't good. What he realized is, we got a problem here, okay? It's not good for man to be alone. So it was his first problem that God had to solve. So God said, I'll make a helper suitable for him. Wow. After that first not good, he made a helper. Now, see, here's the important thing about the term helper. A lot of times we think that's a lesser of. But no, it's really not because the Hebrew word for helper in the Old Testament is a word called ezer, E-Z-E-R, a simple word, but it doesn't indicate a lesser role or status, but rather a function that she was to counterpart Adam, that she was to complement Adam, that she would complete Adam. And we see that reference throughout the Old Testament as God coming and being a helper to us as well. It's an amazing thing that God did. And so in Genesis 2, verse 21 through 25, we see, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed him up and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And this is my lovely bride, Bonnie. Can we give her a hand for being out here with us today? You know, and yes, and she is my helper. She is my companion, my counterpart. She completes me. And I'm so thankful for that. And we look at this scripture. So now Adam, you know, he's, he's woken up from his sleep, from his trance that he was in. And this is what he says. He says, now this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And here's the amazing thing. God created Eve from Adam. And what he didn't do was make Eve separately from the dust of the ground. Eve was not made like Adam from the dust of the ground. Eve was made from Adam, so she could complete Adam, and Adam could complete Eve. Isn't that cool? We got to see how unique God is, the amazing thing about God. So this is what he says. She should be called woman. Now, I believe that's because he said, whoa, man, you know, when he saw her. And, you know, I think Bonnie's the hottest woman on the planet, okay? So, you know, and I say, whoa, every time I see her, morning, evening, you know. Well, that's God's plan. You know, that's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife, and the two become one flesh. Yes, and Adam and his wife were both naked. They felt no shame. And uh, that's God's heart. But here's the truth. We have a real enemy out there, don't we? We have a real enemy that seeks to mess us up and our relationships up. But he very first started on the very first couple. 
Satan, all of his demonic forces were super ticked off that God created a helpmate for Adam, someone to be a companion, someone to complete him. So from the very beginning, he wanted to mess up that relationship. And since he did it then, why wouldn't he do it now, right? He works on it now. And in Genesis chapter 3, 7 through 13, I'll just kind of recap it. We see how it all went down. You know, there was only one bad choice in the Garden of Eden. Just don't eat fruit from this one tree and everything else is cool, right? You know, but we see how Eve thought, man, this fruit looks really good. And she entertained a conversation with the devil himself, you know, disguised as a serpent. And then she got tricked and she took some of the fruit and ate it, we read. And she gave some to Adam who was standing there with her and he ate it. And now their eyes are open to their sinful state. Now sin entered their lives. Now our world from this point on is now broken by sin and we have a need to be redeemed, to be made whole again. So here comes God looking for them, okay? Here comes God. And so they heard God looking for them. So what did they do? They, made, they got some fig leaves, you know. They made some clothes to put on themselves because they felt shame. They felt like they were in trouble. You know, so they were hiding. We oftentimes hide when we feel like we're in trouble, don't we? You know, they were hiding, but God said, where are you at? You know, and, you know, and of course, this is God. He knew everything, right? Did he know right where they were? Kind of like parenting 101, you know? And then he said, have you eaten fruit from the tree I told you not to eat from? Did God already know the answer to the question? Just like we ask our kids, did you do this? We already know they already did it, don't we? You know? So he's getting them to communicate and verbalize. Well, here's what Adam was quick to do. He said, well, God, the woman that you put here with me, she gave me some fruit to eat, and I ate. You know, So he started blaming, right? Okay. I've never blamed you for anything our entire life, right? Always. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Not always. Well, okay. maybe not always. Oh, okay. All right. You know, but so Adam went from naming to blaming. But let me ask you this. Adam already knew better. Adam was supposed to be Eve's protector. Adam already knew he wasn't supposed to eat from the fruit from the tree. So why didn't he stop her? Why didn't he stop her? Bonnie hates it when I say this because maybe he didn't want the fight. Okay, that's so. not right. Well, that's not right. <laughs> you know, so anyways, fellas, from the very beginning, we have a challenge inside of us to be passive in our marriage and not active. Adam's role was to protect Eve. My role is to protect my bride, to love her and cherish her, honor her always. Adam, he went right straight to blaming. Do we find ourselves doing that at times in our life? Yes. Have we been through some tests, Bon? Yes, we have. And that enemy is real. Satan is real. He wants nothing more than to tear our marriages apart, tear away our intimacy and these three areas that we're going to be talking about today. He wants nothing more for us to hide and to not become closer to each other. But it takes work. It yes. takes work on a daily basis. It takes a lot of work. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, yes. To be married to me, it takes, okay, I admit, it takes a lot of work. Okay, but intimacy is simply to be shown, to be known, and to be grown. So that's God's heart, is to be shown, we're to show ourselves, and we're to know our bride, and we're to grow together. And, and really, the truth is, is in order for you to know your spouse, you have to come out of hiding, because sometimes we hide. Uh, anyone been guilty of hiding before besides me? I've been guilty, you know, when we, we think about, when we get into a marriage relationship, we still have maybe some of these things that we think, well, if I say this, then maybe she's not going to like me anymore. If I say this, then maybe he's not going to love me anymore. So we get tempted to hide in our emotional pains. What Bonnie and I have discovered over the years is we have these voices inside of us. We have the voice from above, which is God's voice who can never tell a lie. We've got the voice from below, which is Satan's voice who can never tell the truth. We have the voice within, which is our voice, and sometimes we get it wrong. Mm -hmm. 
But in all of us, in me, I discovered I had this boy, Corey voice from his experiences in the past, childhood pains and struggles, you know. I grew up what I discovered, not even not that long ago, that my core fear in life is the fear of abandonment. And it all the way went back to when my family moved from Michigan to Texas, and my grandmother, she was my rock. She, she was my helper. She, she was my encourager. She corrected me. She loved me. She guided me. And we lived right next door to her. And when we moved, man, I felt abandoned because my parents didn't give me. I was a crazy kid, you know, like my grandma got me. And I felt abandoned. And so this boy, Corey voice comes up sometimes and connects him to a story of pain, and then I want to hide. But with Jesus in me, I got this new voice. This is the God voice. This is a God who says, no, Corey, it's okay. Come out of hiding. Bonnie's still going to love you. She's still going to care about you. And here's what I discovered is God sent Bonnie to me to complete me, to, to meet the need to a higher level of what my grandmother ever did for me. Because that's God's desire. But sometimes we want to hide, right? Sometimes we want to hide. But really, we're each other's helpers. I'm your helper. You're my helper. And when we get our feelings hurt or things aren't going right or we're making that list. I don't know about you ladies, but I can do that list over and over in my mind. All the things he doesn't do or all the things he's not doing right. And then it just makes me frustrated. So I just want to hide. I want to be, create distance. Yes, we, we play hide and seek in our marriage. There are things we've been through in our past. There are things that have happened to us in our journey. When we get married, we all bring in a certain amount of luggage into our journey together. There are things we're currently going through in life. And we often hide most what we're feeling emotionally because we haven't taken the time to come out of hiding and to work on those things. Growing up as a kid, you know, we played hide and seek. I like playing hide and seek, but here's what I realized. I like hiding more than seeking, and we can't seek and hide at the same time. We all play hide and seek with our kids, and you know, when our kids will go hide, how many of y'all will already know where your kids are? Okay, you know, because we already know. Well, you know what? There are times that I've been hiding in our marriage relationship, but, but do you already know where I'm at? Yes, right there. <laughs> yes, you know, and so I've got to come out because she's already going to know anyways. Yes, because she's God's greatest gift to me, like your spouse or future spouse will be for you as well. But here's the truth. We hide behind things. We hide behind things like our phone today, don't we? We hide behind maybe sports. Maybe we hide behind our kids. Maybe we hide behind our job. But we oftentimes hide behind things, and that's what the devil wants us to do. So the more we hide, the more we divide. The longer someone stays in hiding, the more often a person is going to seek um, another person that can meet some of those needs in their life. So we have to be very careful to come out of hiding. We have to get to know our spouse. And God's desire is that we get to know our spouse emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And we got this example over here for you today that we have these three categories here, and we have, we have the emotional category. We have all of these three are quaking inside of us. We have the spiritual side of us, and we have the, and we have the physical side. So we have these three parts in us that make a, a whole. And so what we have to simply discover is, is in life, we simply are working through different pieces in our journey. And let me share with you, I'll put this one over here, and let me share with you that when we get married, for us as fellas, I know for sure as fellas, we're really focused on the physical, aren't we guys? 
you know? And we tend to neglect maybe the spiritual or the emotional. Don't say anything else. <laughs> All right, so, but I can tell you that, you know, that then, man, I was focused on physical. I really wanted to grow physically, okay? When we, and I was just pouring in to the physical. But what would you say, Miss Bonnie, that I was neglecting at that time? Well, I would say you were just neglecting connection, emotional connection, spending time together, talking together, asking how my day was, and spending time with me. And the bigger focus was on this one, on the physical. Yes. And so I really had to, to grow. I really had to make some choices right now. Bonnie and I, when we met, we met at a college Bible study, you know, and, and I already knew from the very beginning, wow, this, is, this person is for me. And, and even our first time together, we, we, we're, we worked on some spiritualist friends and we, we prayed together, you know. But when we got married, you know, we really have to work on a balance of these three things. And the spiritual is really meant um, to, to really complement the other ones just like each do for the other. So we've got to work on a balance of all three in our life. But the truth is, is normally in our life, it's hard for all these levels to be balanced because we're either going to pour into one or we're going to pour into the other. We're going to think about the physical as most guys are prone to or and maybe the ladies and maybe they're thinking about the emotional, but we have the spiritual side of our journey as well. And we have challenges. We have ups and downs, don't we? Yes, and I can definitely say early in our marriage, the emotional side was very, dif- it was very difficult. It was very difficult to connect. I wanted to do that. I didn't know how to verbalize that. So I can remember a time early in our marriage where I got so frustrated. He wasn't listening. He wasn't paying attention to me. He wasn't hearing what I was trying to say. So I remember just going into our bedroom and going to our closet and locking myself in and just crying. And I just thought, I just really want to go home, like to my home, to my parents. I can't do that. I'm married. But you know what I realized is I had to come out. I had to come out of hiding and I had to find Corey and I had to tell him what it is that I needed so that he could meet that need for me. Yes, I was, I was oblivious, you know, a lot of the times. And I was thinking surface level, and yes, we got to know each other some, but I was really, this was all so new to me, like it's new to any couple that gets married, how to work on the emotional side. I mean, I learned really quick when she fixed meatloaf one night, I learned really quick what not to say, because I sat down and I said, that doesn't taste like my mom's meatloaf. And, um, and so, but uh, she didn't even say anything. She got up, she picked up my plate, and she threw my meatloaf in the trash. And I never made meatloaf and again. And she never made meatloaf again, okay? So I knew from that point on, I'm not bringing up mama, okay, in the marriage, okay? I've left my father and mother. I'm clinging to my bride, and, uh, and I love Bonnie's cooking. But we have to work on this balance because we're going to go through some seasons where some levels are going to be lower than the other. And I want to encourage you, if you're married right now, where are you at in these levels? Where are you at? emotionally with your spouse? Where are you at coming out of hiding and sharing your real needs or getting to know your spouse's needs? And or where are you at spiritually with your spouse? Do you understand where your spouse is spiritually in their journey? Do you understand where you're at in your journey? And where are you at physically in your journey together? Not just 
about sex or getting naked. You know, of course, we talked about getting naked last week. If you missed last week, you can go to YouTube, watch the message, watch it online. But not only getting naked physically, but getting naked emotionally, okay? So, but we got to ask ourselves, where are we at in these areas, and which ones do we think we need to work on the most? And, and I, I know for me, sometimes it's easy for me to blame Corey and just keep a list of those wrongs. And what happens when I do that is I'm really creating that distance, between us. And so I found that if I would just ask God to show me what it is in myself that I need to change, it's through that prayer that God allowed me to, to go out of the hiding and go and find him and be able to communicate better what it is I need. And he could also communicate that to me. Yes. And I've been learning how to come out of isolation and not run. A lot of times in life, me, the way I'm wired, was something, I think something's tense. Maybe I just want to separate myself from it. So God's been teaching me that I need to chase Bonnie. If I make a mistake, say something I shouldn't say, um, that's only happened once or twice. No, just kidding. It happens all the time. I've got to go back and pursue Bonnie, you know, and say, hey, I'm sorry. I should have said it this way, you know. I've got to work on those things just like we all do. So God wants us to learn how to have a healthy balance. We're never going to be perfect. There'll be sun seasons. Some things will be lower. Some will be higher. Maybe one needs to be less. Maybe we need to pour into one more. But think about where you're at today. And, and thank you very much hey, for helping me, okay? Yeah. You are my helper, okay? <laughs> so, Yes. And, uh, and every day I, I learn to love and value Bonnie more and more in our journey together. And because that is God's heart for all of us if we are married. So God's desire is so we know each other emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And so that's like the ABC. So let's look at emotionally here for a minute. We need to be able to get to know our spouse's emotional needs. And Willard Harley in his book, his needs, her needs. He's identified this after years of counseling. He's asked this one question to every couple that he's counseled. And here's the question he asked. What, what could your spouse do for you that would make you the happiest? And he was able to classify them into 10 emotional needs. And we're going to put these needs up here, but know that they're also available in our toolbox. Our toolbox is something we put together every week. It has a recap of all the message notes. It has some discussion questions that you can use for a small group or at home or by yourself. It has some helps for the message. You can go to Journey Teams on our website, crosspoint247.com. You'll see a link to the toolbox. It goes live there by 4 p.m. every Sunday afternoon. You can see these, but you can write some down too. Here's the top 10 he discussed. Admiration, affection, conversation, domestic support, family commitment, financial support, honesty and openness, physical attractiveness, recreational companionship, and sexual fulfillment. So his goal was, was to get them to identify their top five emotional needs and for them to get to know their spouse's top five emotional needs. Because oftentimes, the failure of husband and wife to meet each other's emotional needs is simply due to ignorance. It's not due to the fact that they just don't care or the fact that they're just selfish, although we can be. But by learning to understand yourself and your spouse as totally unique people, then you get to understand their particular emotional needs. And you can identify your own needs and begin to communicate that together. But what happens is, is when we don't work on meeting our spouse's emotional needs, it's, it's very easy for them to seek that in a different way. 
And so that's where trouble can brew. So we have to work on that together. It's a wonderful book, His Needs, Her Needs. But we often confuse intimacy or closeness with the desire for sex. But true intimacy, intimacy, where we're allowing someone to see inside of us, is about showing, it's about knowing and including being known, and it's about growing. Yes, and we've got to work on these areas of our life. It involves trust, it involves confidence, mutual support. In other words, friendship, true companionship, where we hold nothing back, and in return, we get to experience love, acceptance, and appreciation, where we're valued, where we're cherished, and then we do the same for the other person. Wow, the learning never stops. Bonnie and I have been married over 35 years, and we're still learning about one another and growing. And you know, in our marital counseling, premarital counseling that we had so many years ago, you know, I can remember sitting across the table, I had no idea how much, I just thought then I was so young and dumb that we just knew it all, okay? But wow, we're just getting started. We're growing through our commitment. You know, we never grow to a commitment in marriage. We grow through it. We go through that covenant. And that's God's heart. That's God's plan. Well, God wants us to know our, he wants us to know our, our spouses emotionally, but he wants, he wants to know us spiritually. We've got the spiritual side of all of us. We need to know God. And we can't fully know God until we fully know ourselves. God wants to be known, and we have something in us that wants to be known by others. And we have to be careful not to close, our, not to close ourselves off. It's so easy because of a past hurt or pain that we close ourselves off. But God wants us to know the presence of God. So God's an omnipresent God, according to Psalm 139. But here's the truth. Sometimes it's not God bring your presence. Presence is already there. It's God helping to be aware of your presence. God, because I know your presence is already here. Maybe one of the reasons why you're not connected more emotionally is because you're not connected spiritually to your Heavenly Father. We hide behind things, like I mentioned earlier, our, our phones, social media, sports, kids, job, etc. And for too long, we've mistaken being present in church with the very presence of God. But the presence of God is inside of us when we begin a relationship with him. God desires that we seek his presence daily, that we spend time with him in prayer and in his word, that we experience his transformational knowing and the truth is, this transformational knowing of God comes from the intimate, personal knowing of his divine love. Because God is love. And God can only be known through love. And we see 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, where John says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And once we get to know the loving God, how he loves us and accepts us just the way we are, we receive that freedom in our life because God wants you to know your unique self. For so much of the time, man, I thought, I hate, you know, as a kid growing up, I hated myself. I, I, I wasn't like the other kids. I, I stuttered really bad. I had eye issues. I had coordination issues. I was always picked last for teams. I didn't like my unique self. But it took transformation in me over the years to begin to realize God's created my unique self for a purpose in my life. Can anyone relate to that? You ever struggle liking yourself? 
But God says, no, love yourself. Yes, you got this boy, Corey voice in me, but I had this, this Jesus voice in me since I've given my life to Christ. But we have to love that little girl voice or that little boy voice because that is a part of your DNA. And God will never waste or hurt or a pain. He'll use it to grow you and to help other people. So the reality is, is we'll never feel good until you know who you are. To accept who you are, that God loves you. I, you know, I love the fact that we see, that, for, that we read in John 3, 16. Wow, for God so loved the world. He gave us his son. And then Jesus grew. And when Jesus was baptized, a really cool thing happened. He hadn't done any ministry, public ministry yet. He hadn't done anything for God yet. But yet when he was baptized, the heavens opened and then God's voice spoke. And here's what God said. This is my son whom I am well pleased. Do you know God's pleased with you today? He is pleased with you even, even before we do anything for him. He is pleased with you because that is who he is. He is love. Galatians 3.26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Christian spirituality involves a transformation that occurs only, only when God and self are both deeply known. Wow, we can't fully know God until we fully know ourselves. We can't fully know ourselves until we fully know God. And in order to know your spouse, you need to know yourself first because God wants you to grow with your spouse or your future spouse. In Ephesians 5, verse 21, I love how Paul pinned this out. He has a number of verses on marriage right here. And he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He's not saying that one is over the other as in an equal, you know, relative value. They're both equally valued. But yes, God's given roles for the husband and wife. But he says you're to serve your spouse. You're to think about your spouse's needs before your own. Marriage is not about a dictatorship in any way, form, or fashion. And in these verses in Ephesians 5, through 29, Paul just kind of breaks down. And fellas, he gives guys the greatest challenge. He tells us in this passage that husbands, that men, are to love their wives as Jesus loves us. Well, that's the greatest challenge, isn't it? It's not about, okay, bring my slippers every night. You know, you know, it's not about a dictatorship. It's about loving. It's about giving yourself away. It's about sacrificing yourself. Man, we get the biggest challenge. And men, you can be a part of our 3M meeting tonight. It's not too late. You want to work on some things, get around some other men that aren't perfect, like each one of us, you know. And, uh, and, and, I, and I want to encourage you to do that. We have this Forge to Men event happening at the church this evening. You can see it from our app or from our website. We said online that our cutoff date was on Friday, but we've extended it. You can go there and sign up today and join us tonight. Get around some other men that are just real, just like you, striving to do their best to follow Christ in their life because we need that. So we know that Adam went from blaming his wife, then again to naming his wife. In Galatians 3, 20 and 21, we see that Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all of the living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So why did he go from this? Well, he was having an encounter with God in the moment. God was speaking to him in the moment. He was in the presence of God. He was realizing, man, I just really blew it. I really messed up here. He was practicing God's presence. And he realized the blessing that Eve was. And he stopped blaming her. But sometimes we go back and forth in marriage, don't we? Blaming, naming, and we have to identify where our struggles are, where, 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 our, where our strengths are. We have to practice the presence of God. You know, pray with your, I want to encourage you to pray with your spouse. Bonnie and I practice this every night before we go to sleep. It's hard to go to sleep angry or upset if you pray together, okay? 
pray, pray, pray for each other. Do you know that if you're married, no one can pray a greater prayer for you than your spouse? You have the opportunity. Do you think the devil wants you praying for your spouse? No way. You've got an enemy. He's looking at dividing. You're really, when you start praying for your spouse, God will start moving in your life and your spouse is like to a whole other way. I'm going to encourage you guys to pray together. Our, do Bonnie and I miss it sometimes? And of course we do because we're human. But we stick at it because we know we need it in our life and it helps us. It helps one another. She prays over me. I pray over her. And, and, uh, and we need that in our life because God wants us to get to know our spouse emotionally. He wants us to get to know our spouse spiritually. And he wants us to get to know our spouse physically. He wants you to enjoy your spouse. Enjoy your spouse. In Song of Songs, Solomon says this. Solomon is talking here and says, How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful your eyes are doves. He's being captivated by her beauty. And she begins to speak, How handsome you are, my beloved. Oh, how charming. And our bed is verdant. And verdant simply means green like grass. No matter how old or young you are in a marriage relationship, God wants your love to keep growing. That is his heart because you've stood the test of time, the ups and the downs, the challenges, the hurts and the pains. You know, there are four intimacy killers out there. I don't encourage you guys to jot these things down, but again, they'll be available in our toolbox. And here's the first one, disconnect from the creator of sex. There are oftentimes we get in our, we get in a spiritual dryness and we get in a time where we're not seeking God and you may be married here in this room and maybe your spouse doesn't know Christ yet. I want to encourage you, don't give up. Keep praying for them. Get others to pray for them. Let us know so we can pray for them as well because I've seen God change some spouses' lives where they give their lives to Christ and watch God do huge other things in their marriage. Yes, never give up on praying for your spouse or maybe, you know what, you can be a Christian and not be, and not be connected in fellowship with your creator. You can already be coming to church. It may sound strange, but there's a direct relationship between how things go in bed and how, and how often you kneel and pray beside your bed. We don't like to mix spiritual discussions with sexual ones, but God never intended the two to be separate. From Genesis to throughout the, the, throughout the New Testament, when a man and woman marry, when they, when they become one, and the oneness is not just a reference to a covenant or agreement, but it's a spiritual bond. It's an emotional attachment. And that's why the enemy will come at us in ways like the myths of the world today. We'll have casual sex, friends with benefits, or hooking up. They're all myths created by a sinful world, all traps of the enemy. When people have sex, they give at all levels. That's why the enemy is using it today to, to destroy and mess up something great that God created for the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. Because when this is done outside of the covenant of marriage, the carnage is great. If sex is spiritual, then it stands to reason. The best sex is between spiritually healthy people, a husband and a wife. When husband and wife are pursuing Christ and finding their joy and fulfillment in him, it blesses their physical intimacy together. And so number two, another, another intimacy killer is simply neglecting, dating, and dishwashing. Well, you know, before we marry, we're all about, you know, bringing the gifts, aren't we? Maybe doing a paper for your potential spouse. Maybe mowing their grass. Maybe, you know, setting dates to go out. You know, it's easy to work on all those things. But after we get married, we can kind of consider, well, I'm all in. I'm going to quit taking care of myself. I'm going to do this and that. I don't do this and that anymore. No, you got to keep pursuing your spouse. Men, your wives want to be pursued. Husbands, you, um, your wives want to be pursued. And wives, your husbands want to be pursued because that is God's heart. You know, when, when Bonnie and I first got married, she had this little sign in the kitchen. She said, and it said this, I love a man with dishpan hands, but I didn't wash the dishes. 
So maybe she's giving me a hint, okay? So, <laughs> but now, but guess what? Now I do think I share the load. I, 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 I do the dishes, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll load the dishwasher. I, I do clothes. I vacuum the floor. I love sharing the load because, and we love dating. Even Friday, I, I went to her work and picked her up for lunch and took her on our lunch date uh, from work. We love doing those things together. That will grow us when, in fact, these simple acts of thoughtfulness can simply wake up those desires you once felt so strongly about. And here's the number three um, intimacy killer, an unlocked garden. In Song of Songs, we read in 412, where Solomon says, you are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. You are a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. Well, this is a poetic celebration of his bride's purity. He was extremely excited to know that he was going to enjoy what was not available to any other man. And so often the world sees the discussion of purity as prudish, irrelevant, or impossible. According to God, there's a direct connection between purity and pleasure. A brief survey of the opposite thinking proves the point. The best sex is pure sex. And pure sex is between a man and a woman inside the covenant of marriage. Premarital sex, pornography, infidelity, or engaging with another person emotionally, maybe some secret social media things, unlocks the garden that's supposed to be locked. And these illicit activities promise some excitement in there and fulfillment, but they never deliver on the promise. Do you know the devil is after your kids? He is after them through pornography, through the inappropriate parts of social media. Yes, there's a lot of great things, but you got to be careful. Kids have access to all kinds of things on phones today. Even elementary schools are putting blocks on social media things in school now because they see what kids are getting involved in at such an early age. we got to be on guard. we got to be aware of these attacks at your relationship with your spouse or future spouse. And another intimacy killer is simply chasing the wrong pleasure. We get confused. But Jesus reminds us in Matthew 16, 25, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever will lose their life for me will find it. It's about considering your spouse's needs before your needs. It's about looking at what they would like or desire. It's about learning how to love them back. It's not about, well, well, I wish my wife would do this. Well, I wish my husband would do this. No, it's about considering their needs before your own needs. Pursuing, oftentimes our definition of pleasure has to change. It's not found in being pleased. It's found in pleasing our spouse. And then we have four intimacy builders. Four builders. The first one is simply affection and care. We got to give some hugs, give some kisses, hold hands together while you're doing things together. It's not just about sexual intercourse. It's about doing things together, being around each other, caring for one another, praying over each other, connecting, offering care for each other. And God will bless that in a huge way. It's about vulnerable communication. I realized when I started discovering some things inside of me that were, that were problems, that were strongholds of the enemy from my childhood experiences, it wasn't easy for me to talk to Bonnie about those things because I was wondering, is she still going to like me the same? Okay, I'm discovering these things. about, But you know what? Ah, she loves me more because I shared. And I want to encourage you, if that's you, to be vulnerable and communicate because God will bless that in a huge way. Then there's mutual living. Do you seek ways to relieve the other person's stress? to serve, and to make him or her feel special? 
Bonnie and I had this thing we do for each other. We've been doing it for, for probably over 20 years. There's just one thing that, that she does for me every day that I don't like to do, and there's one thing I do for her every day that she doesn't like to do. I make the bed because she doesn't like to make the bed, and she gets my coffee ready because I don't like to get my coffee ready for the next day. So it's another way we simply do a little thing and serve each other every day. You know, there's, there's mutual giving, mutual living, sharing experiences together because God will use those in a huge way. So the four intimacy builders, affection and care, vulnerable communication, mutual living, sharing together experiences, doing things together, and as I mentioned, mutual giving. You know, the truth is, is none of us should want to die the same. All of us have growing to do in our life. So you say, well, Corey, well, what now? I feel like I'm kind of a mess. I, I feel like maybe I'm out of balance in some areas. What do I do now? What's my next step? I want to encourage you to think about your next step. It's never too late to start loving better. God will never waste a hurt or a pain. Where are you at today? What is it? Do you need to talk to someone? Maybe you need to get some help. Bonnie and I, over our 35 years of marriage, do you think that we've sought some outside counseling help before? Yes. Haven't we, Bon? Yes, we have. And how has it helped us in our journey together? Well, we wouldn't be here today without it. We we needed it. (laughs) Yes, you know. We need, there are times that we need help. We need reinforcements in our life because we're going to struggle in our journey together. We're going to have ups and we're going to have downs and we're going to have challenges. But through the test of time, when we work on growing emotionally together, when we work on growing spiritually together, physically together, God will bless that and use that. So here's some homework for you this week. And you can write this down, but you can also just remember, it's on our toolbox on the website. Simply, how can I know you better? How can I, for you to ask your spouse, block away some time today, put a time down where you're going to sit down together and free yourselves up and be able to look each other in the eye and ask the question to your spouse, how can I know you better? How can I meet your needs? What can I do for you? Practice asking those questions and watch what God will do. And we have to be willing to do the work, don't we? It takes work. It takes work every day on both parts. Yes, and even when we don't want to do the work, we need to do the work. And God will always bless the work. It's tough, it's challenging, but the fruit on the other side is great. And I want to encourage you to celebrate next steps. Celebrate next steps because God's all about celebrating. We have to celebrate next steps. It's not about looking way down the road and saying, I wish this way down the road. It's today. Celebrate the next step today. You know, your, your spouse said a kind way today. Celebrate that. Or you were practicing that back. Or you were going and finding your spouse when they wanted to hide, okay? Practice those things together. I want to encourage you to believe God for a miracle because God's heart is that a miracle would take place in our relationship, that God would strengthen us, that he would grow us in these areas. And we're gonna pray together. And I'm gonna ask Bonnie to start us off in our prayer, but I want you to know that God is right here in this room and he wants you to grow with your spouse or your future spouse. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your presence and we thank you for the truth that's in your word today. We thank you for... um, 
that you are stronger, God, when we are weak. And I know at times we feel uh, this marriage thing can be work and it can be hard and overwhelming, God. I pray for any woman today that might be feel like she's in hiding, that she feels like she's carrying this burden all by herself and she wants to go and approach her husband, but she doesn't know how to do it. God, I pray that you would give her boldness today and courage. I pray that you would speak to her heart the things that she might need to change to draw her closer to her husband and that you would restore in the places that have been broken and that you would draw them closer together in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, I just agree with that prayer. I pray for men today. I pray for men that they would begin to come out of hiding, the ones that are hiding, and they would seek a balance in their own life with their spouse if they're married, a balance of emotionally and spiritually and physically connecting in a way that brings you glory and honor. And God, I pray for the man today that's struggling with an addiction. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's a a social media trap. And God, I pray that he'd be able to come out and, and talk to someone about that struggle and know that he's not alone, God, that as men, we all face temptations and struggles, but, but God, help him to be able to come out and know that you're a loving God, that you're a healing God, because all of us are in need of healing and something in our life. And God, I just pray for our to be real, for the mask to come off. God, I pray that even tonight in our 3M meeting, that men that come here tonight would feel the freedom to hurt out loud and to share a hurt or pain, or maybe someone here goes to someone else and asks for some help. So God, may you bless that. And God, may you bless future marriages of people in this room or listening online or watching on YouTube. You bless future marriages as well. In Jesus' name, amen.